This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of The Varsity Podcast, a podcast dedicated to discussing everything about North Shore High School sports. We're on the Friday Night Drive. I'm Michael Dwojak here with the Record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin. And uh, we've got a fun episode. We've been doing a lot of these recently, actually. Uh, we've got another championship episode for you guys. Um, this one involving football, obviously, Loyola winning um, its uh, second uh, straight championship, uh, taking down Lincoln Way East to win the 8A title. Um, so we'll obviously focus on that in the first three quarters of the podcast. We're going to do a regular four-quarter format. First quarter, recap some stuff. Second quarter, you'll hear from the champions. Um, you hear from the press conference a lot of different uh, views of what happened and that kind of stuff and uh, what it all meant, so we'll listen to that. In the third quarter, we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game, and then in the fourth quarter, um, we will move on, and we're going to move on to uh, boys basketball um, and girls basketball and all the other different uh, winter sports. We've got um, a lot of good stuff going on early on here in the in the basketball season, so um, a lot of good stuff to talk about there. But um, before we get started, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they are available. Make sure you like us and subscribe. We always appreciate your support. Um, that always helps us get out and uh, hear from uh, other people and help other people hear about us and uh, everything that we do here on the podcast. But why don't we get things started here? Um, I think we talked about last week about what um, what we expected out of this Loyola and Lincoln Lee's game. And I think we kind of expected a rock fight. Um, it would be close. Um, we would, you know, it would be more of a defensive battle. And that's kind of what we got, but it's also kind of not what we got, where Loyola kind of, you know, got out ahead of things, scored on its opening drive, and just, you know, kind of dominated in their 26-15 to 15 win. And then, you know, Lincoln Lee's got a late score there, Joe. But um, Loyola just, you know, did everything it wanted to do and showed why it's probably the best team in the state with um, an offense that can score at will pretty much. And then a defense that, you know, limited one of the better teams in the state. Yeah, I think uh, it was a surprise in that regard, at least uh, to everybody, probably outside Loyola uh, coaches and players. Um, uh, maybe even they were surprised that they could rack up, what was it? 400 and some yards on a defense that um, hadn't given up that many points, 26 in their previous six games, I think that the total in their previous six was 26. So uh, just kind of wild that they were able to do that. And uh, I don't think it says um, anything negative. Like I don't, I don't think the loyal East defense was overrated. I just think Loyola had a great game plan and uh, talented athletes executed that game plan really well. And that game plan was, um, um, was to use a lot of the middle of the field, um, spread them out, find find uh, players in space like Brendan Loftus on the first touchdown. Ryan Fitzgerald had a couple big runs up the middle. Um, things like that um, they were able to do, and they're able to do that because of um, a lot of talent in a lot of different places from the offensive line to their skill position players. Um, uh, I thought the one place, um, that, that one touchdown at the – it was the end of the half, correct, to, to Nick? Um, yeah, it was it was a great double move that he put on um, the second the the Griffin secondary, but that was probably the biggest um, surprise to me because that was just you know a blown coverage which you never see really Linkways do too much, but uh, just a great individual double move there and uh, Fitzgerald finding him. But it was just a team that was prepared and did what they wanted to do with um, you know uh, execution and a game plan. I know, obviously, when you win the state championship, obviously, it's a whole performance and that kind of stuff. Everyone's involved in it. But it really felt like a game where, you know, the coaches, you know, really prepared this team for what Lincoln Ways can do. And, you know, they found ways to exploit that. You mentioned, obviously, going up the middle. You got Ryan running on a couple plays. Um, and the players obviously executing it. It just really felt like, you know, these guys, you know, knew what Lincoln Way East, you know, potentially could be, you know, down to. And, you know, Lincoln Way's coach talked about it after the game. He said, you know, that's just a, a, a better team. Like, they were prepared. They were ready. Like, I don't – he didn't think his guys played poorly or anything like that. Loyola was just at a different level, you know, both being prepared and also, 
um, you know, just executing when they needed to. Yeah, and I think it came as a bit of a surprise to me. Obviously, I know how good Loyal has been at following them all year. And um, Lincoln East, I had a perceived value of them. Just uh, I hadn't seen them very much other than some film, but um, just by their scores and everything like that. So um, coming off, Loyola coming off that closer game with York, I thought, okay, if we face tough defenses and maybe some size, maybe we're going to get closer battles with Loyola. And it turns out <laughs> that game against York may have been an outlier, maybe just an outstanding performance by that York, uh, the, the whole York team, and um, including um, a big turnover, you know, Loyola's only interception of the year, which may have been a fluke. So, um, yeah, I was I was really surprised that they went through the Loyola or the Linkway East defense like that on their opening drive. Um, and did it a few more times throughout the game. Just uh, like you said, really good execution there. And um, their defense did what they did all year um, in terms of pressuring the quarterback and um, the secondary making plays, tipping balls um, left and right, a lot of deflections, a lot of athleticism in that secondary is, is what I come to expect. And then they don't miss tackles and they didn't miss them much in the, in the championship game. What can we say, you know, heading into this season, I feel like we had a lot of unknowns, especially with the offense. You had a new quarterback you didn't know anything about. You had um, a lot of big, you know, you lose a lot of big, you know, big time players on the perimeter and that kind of stuff. And um, you had, you know, Ryan Fitzgerald throw for 203 yards and adding 89 on the ground. Like you had um, Nick, like you mentioned, make a big play. Um, and find himself to be open. You had obviously Drew McPherson come back and um, score on a 12-yard rush. So, you know, for all the questions that we had about this offense heading into the season, um, this offense, like, I don't really feel like there was really a hiccup for them for much of the season. I mean, maybe a little bit at the York game at the beginning of that game, but this offense, you know, from the first game against Central Catholic in, in Michigan, um, it felt like it never really had any hiccups or like oh like we're all first time starters we maybe don't have the experience that we need to have to compete against the CCLESCC no and i think that you know that's a culture thing and that's a obviously talented uh, uh you know a talented locker room of course but um i think it's just next man up and, and the expectations and standards are so high and they're built in year after year of success especially the most me recent run uh, of the past, uh, you know, since 2010 or so um, has been so high level that, you know, that's the expectation. You don't meet them. Somebody else will um, because of all the talent in the room. So that just breeds more success. And uh, on top of success, on top of success, year after year, no matter now that, you know, a down year is going to happen. You know, a down year for Loyola is different than than most. But I think programs like Loyola, like Link Waste, like Mount Carmel, at this point, the way they're playing, it's it's – it's it's success over and over, and it would take kind of a, a shift in that culture or something to to change that something major to to change it. And I, they're built for success for for a ways to go here. Um, and you mentioned Drew uh, McPherson, what he was able to do. I thought that was really special. I wasn't sure how bad he hurt his knee, and obviously they didn't talk about it too much um, in the in the semifinal game. Uh, but he was a huge. Uh, piece to this uh, his ability to gain, gain yards on the run and his kind of undervalued utility in the passing game uh, is is special uh, and is something that really showed its head in the in the, in the championship game he had a, a wonderful catch up the seam uh, kind of grabbing one on top of a of, of his defender um, good pass by Fitzgerald but um, he really had a, a star-like performance in the championship game um, obviously there are a lot of great, you know, players and a lot of, you know, people who deserve to have their flowers and that kind of stuff. I feel like one, um, shout out, and we've talked about him a lot, a little bit, but you know, with what Joe Kelly was able to do, you know, both on the defensive line, but then midway through the year, moving to the offensive line. And, um, I can't remember the name right now, obviously the kid from Lincoln ways, who's going to Iowa. I can't remember his name right now, but Danowski. Yeah. He, Joe Kelly completely eliminated him from the game plan. Like every time, like, Loyola was running the ball or like moving the ball. Um, Kelly did a great job of just eliminating him. And you didn't really see him in the game or like really make a, a presence because of what, how Loyola game plan for him. And um, I, I think obviously, you know, there are a lot of great guys. Everyone deserves, you know, credit for what they did. But Joe Kelly is, you know, 
was really impressive in that game and really been impressive for what he's been able to do all season, you know, especially moving uh, over to the line and providing a lot of great depth um, on the left side there. Yeah, Joe Joe Kelly is a special player, and he was a special player in the championship game last year against Lincoln East when he kind of – he returned, I think, a week before that or two weeks before that from a broken ankle or maybe for that game. Anyway, uh, a broken ankle earlier in the season, he came back and played in the title game and and was a factor. And this year, you know, they had an injury on the offensive line. They asked him to do both ways, which is something very rare, Loyola. They they don't do that. Uh, They got the numbers where they don't have to, of course. Um, and, uh, they asked him to do it. So he had to sacrifice probably some statistics on the defensive end. Cause he, you know, he was more part of a rotation than to, to spell him a little bit. And, uh, I think it made all the difference in the world for Loyola's offense. And of course, you know, still being able to produce on the defensive end. And he certainly, you know, looks the part of a, of a college football player and he did it, uh, both ways in the title game. Um, he comes from a pedigree. He has two brothers. I think uh, Hugh was a safety a few years ago and Christo was an offensive lineman a couple of years ago. They've all played in championship games, runs in the family. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, and uh, he certainly showed out and uh, made his impact in, in Rambler's history. All right. We'll hear more, you know, about this game, you know, in the second quarter when we uh, hear from the press conference and we'll touch on it in way or no way. Um, any other lasting thoughts from this game and just what Loyola was able to accomplish, you know, in this, in not only in this game, but just this season? Yeah, I just think, you know, um, they developed players at certain positions. It, it was really great to see after the kind of um, graduation of uh, all the offensive stars. We got big new names in those spots from Nick Aragonade uh, to um, Brendan Loftus at that end. Of course, Ryan Fitzgerald, the quarterback, really proved that he's going to be something special. Uh, going forward, um, Drew McPherson played in his other year, uh, in his uh, th- third year of varsity action. Uh, but that defense, senior-led defense, is what really kind of, I think, uh, made a mark on other teams throughout the season and what they were able to do. So just a shout-out to those guys because we're graduating everybody uh, almost that started. And, again, we talked about next man up, and I it, they'll be fine Um I think, but that senior led defense, all four starting linebackers were seniors. Um, you know, three of the four starting defensive backs were seniors. Kenny Langston was a captain back there. Uh, Emmanuel Ofisu was, was uh, all conference. Um, I think he had like 10 passes defended this year or blocked. Um, and that defensive line, they had the defensive player of the year in the conference, co-defensive and the, and the lineman of the year. So, it was really a special defensive unit, and uh, they're, they're going to need to to work on replacing a lot of those positions, which we know they can, but um, definitely sorely missed a lot of defensive units. So that's kind of my parting thought. I really liked, enjoyed watching those guys. Yeah, it was just really impressive. You know, you have a new head coach. You have a new uh, quarterback. You have a lot of new starters. But the system that Loyola has built over the past, what, 17 years at this point that John Hossack brought over has just worked. The coaches work. Everything works um with this with this program and uh um that continued obviously Hollisig moved on but the players still know what the program is the coaches know what the process is and that kind of stuff so um obviously it's impressive you know Loyola is the first 8A team to repeat since Maine South did it in the early 2010s so um a really impressive performance on a really impressive season from the Ramblers uh Joe I don't know how much you got a chance to watch the rest of the weekend anything else from state that you kind of thought was interesting or um, some really cool performances. Obviously, the 5A game was great. The 6A game was great. Mount Carmel took care of business. Uh, Rochester took care of business. But uh, anything from the weekend that you thought was interesting? Yeah, I mean, Cary Grove uh, just, they do what they do, and they do it so well, and it's so hard to stop. And they pulled off another one against East St. Louis. Just that last, I mean, it's it's been widely talked about but an 11 minute drive or something to really just keep East St. Louis off the field and win that football game was uh was something special um that was like textbook stuff like they did everything they needed to do to take 10 minutes off the clock score late and not let East St. Louis like get the ball back with the legit opportunity to score yeah it's crazy like if you were to write it out how do we keep the ball well if we get four yards every play, three or four yards. We'll just go down the field and eat up clock. And that's like 
to a T what they did. Like no huge plays. They just knew they could get small chunk, small chunk, and um, just really wear out that East St. Louis defense and more more importantly, keep that offense off the field for basically a full quarter. Crazy um, stuff to watch. Like, uh, and So kudos to them. Um, and that that's a big thing to suck out, of course, Loyola, Mount Carmel just being extremely dominant, um, as well as Rochester. Uh, but yeah, it was a fun weekend. It was a good one. Yeah, well, obviously, Nass coming back from 0-4 to even coming back down to Joliet Catholic at halftime to be able to win that state championship. That's just um, obviously a, a big thing. And um, you saw some fun performances. Byron just destroyed uh, Mount Carmel in the 3A game. I, I forget what the score was. It was 69. They were a point shy of tying the record for most points scored. So uh, yeah. some good stuff. And obviously at Illinois State for the first time, I thought it, it was a fine experience. I think there were some probably first-year hiccups that you had here and there. But the crowds seemed to be fine. It was kind of cold, so maybe you didn't get the full uh, experience you maybe wanted to. But um, for the first year, it felt like it was uh, – Fairly good for Illinois State, bringing back the state championships over to uh, Bloomington Normal. All right, let's move on over now to the second quarter, where we are joined by a multitude of players. Uh, we're going to join. We're going to bring you guys the press that took place after the eight eight game. Um, you'll hear most of the questions, and you'll hear um, most of the guys be introduced. But um, we'll start off with Bo Deshero here. He'll talk about what it means to win a state championship and. Um, to do it at uh, his alma mater. Restroom finished with the sixth perfect season in program history, final record of 14 and 0. Of course, matching the career coaching record of Coach Bo Deshero and the fifth state title in program history as well. Coach, if you could start us with an opening statement, then we'll get the questions. You know, it's uh, to have this team um, come back. You know, back to back state champions, um, 14 and 0. Uh, they're, they're just a special group of kids, a great group of leaders, and uh, just very proud to be a part of this uh, program. Questions? Uh, well, rookie head coach, quarterback, they've never taken a varsity snap. It's not usually a formula for being here at the end. Um, what do you think it, it says just about the school uh, and the program that you guys are here? Yeah, you know, we, we, have, we have great kids. Um, Going into it, we knew that our offense was going to be younger and that we were going to have to rely on, on veteran defense. Um, but they hit the ground running right week one against Grand Rap uh, Central Catholic of Grand Rapids. And, uh, you know, after that first game, I'm like, you know, I'm like, we have something here, you know. So That also means that they put in a lot of effort. I mean, they've got us prepared for every single week, 14 weeks. Uh, I, everyone on this team has just put in so much time and effort. I think that's all on the coaches, too. Talk from your perspective about, you know, what he asked. You know, going into that season, having never taken a varsity snap, that's a big ask, period. Yeah, I mean, we knew that was going to be a struggle, and we knew that uh, our defense was going to have to bail us out sometimes. And, I mean, they, uh, with the Naperville game, that they, they got, what, two or pick six, and, like, they got really nice turnovers. And so, but I think once we started to get a groove, and uh, I think once yeah, once we hit that groove, we just didn't look back. And I mean, just with all the weapons we got with Nick, Will, with uh, with Drew, Loftus, but I think it's also on our line. Like they gave me so much time. The one throw I had to Drew, like I thought I thought I was about to get like killed, but they gave me so much time in that pocket. So it's just it's building every single week. Yeah. Drew, it seemed like you uh, had like a bit of gear today. Like every single like run you had, you're looking for someone to hit, and you kept driving more and more. Like, probably bounce off a number of guys today. Was it just that drive to win state that just kept pushing you further and further, like harder and harder every run you had? Uh, you know, coach said um, uh, before this game, if we had anything left in the tank, we didn't give enough. And I was just leaving it all out on the field with a lot of great blocks from the wide receivers. The line holding up really, really well, and the defense getting stopped. I think everybody did the rest of it. <coughs> I saw you, uh, you know, after the last game, you were on crutches. Well, uh, was there any doubt in your mind uh, then about playing today? Uh, you know, as it happened, there's always worries. But, um, I mean, I, I knew when I was able to walk, I was going to play in this game, no matter what it took. And when was that? Um, I mean, after the visit on uh, Saturday, I knew I was going to play in this game. Oh. Okay. 
Yeah. You had that big touchdown last week. Which kind of got you guys back in the game. They came out today and got the, kind of like the ceiling touchdown. How big has that been like the last couple weeks for you? Uh, you know, last week it was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it, it's surreal. You know, my friend Harrison used that word a lot, and I want to use it today. It's a surreal feeling. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It just happens, and then I can't contain the excitement, sort of. I celebrate a lot. The coaches get a little, you know, they get a little angry, but it was the last game. So today, you know, I, I thought it was the perfect time to celebrate with all of my teammates. <laughs> yeah. Any further questions? Yeah, I, but I mean, undefeated <laughs> state champs. I mean, did you really, even after the first game, you thought you could go? Did you think this much was possible, or that you guys be really good? You, you know, it's we, we, it's going to sound cliche, but we really we take it one game at a time, and you know, so it, it was it, it was a process, you know, and uh, you know when you have when you have kids like these that are up here and the kids that we have on our team. Um, you know, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But we just wanted to prepare our best and be ready for whoever our opponent was that week. So one game at a time. That's that's really the approach we took all the way through the season when we got us here. So. In striking for that first touchdown was really big. I mean, considering and two touchdowns <coughs> in the first quarter. Yeah, it, it set the tone. Um, you know, we knew that this team was a very physical team. If we could come out and match their physicality, if we could come out and kind of impose our will um, that we were going to be in good shape. And, and being able to have our offense come out and go right down the field like that, I, I think it gave everybody confidence. All right, there you go. That is uh, everything you need to hear from that press conference. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good insight and questions. So. Uh, congrats to the Ramblers again. Uh, let's move on over to the third quarter where we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. I throw five propositions, and Joe and I argue or agree upon whether they can happen. Way or No Way, they cannot happen. We're going to stick with football here to start things off here, Joe. Um, obviously, winning back-to-back -back titles, two different coaches, two different quarterbacks, obviously, um, gives you a lot for comparisons, Joe. So, uh, way or no way, this season's state title was more impressive than last season's. Ooh. Um, I really like last year's team, too, um, as kind of maybe a – maybe I favor higher scoring a little bit more just as an entertainment value to watch. Maybe that team was a little more fun. I'm talking, what, six points a game more. Um, is what they scored and uh, airing it out a little more. Um, but I would uh, – let's do it. Let's say this year was more impressive uh, because of the first-year coach, just maybe the feelings that there were a couple things that could go wrong. First-year quarterback, first-year coach. They had the running back injuries. Here's some categories where they could stumble for Loyola. Obviously, that – you know, their window's more open than most people, but maybe there's some issues there at uh, gelling together and figuring things out. So I will say this year was more impressive. Last year was senior laden on the offensive end. We were pretty sure what Jake Sterney could do with that offense um, and, and the offensive line last year. So I will say yes, way. Yeah, I feel like this question is kind of like, do you like cake or ice cream more? Like, obviously, they're both great things <laughs> and obviously a, a great stuff, but I just think, you know, with like going off of what you said and the fact that this team beat Mount Carmel this year, last year they lost to Mount Carmel. They used it as motivation, obviously, but they held on to beat Mount Carmel to win the blue title. So um, I, I agree. I think, you know, last year's team accomplished a great amount. Obviously, Holosek ending his legacy at Loyola with the state championship, all really impressive stuff, Jake Sterney, all that. But um, I think for how many, like, I feel like last year we were kind of like, all right, Loyola is going to do it again. Like Loyola is going to take that step. They have an experienced group where this year we were kind of like, well, you know, we wouldn't be surprised if, you know, you take a step back here, lose a game here or there because you got an inexperienced offense and you got maybe an experienced coach, but, um, none of that happened. So I think that's why I would say way this season's, uh, title was more impressive than last season's, uh, state title. All right, Joe. Um, 
Loyola wins its fifth state title in uh, program history. Um, way or no way, you think Loyola has now joined the first tier of historic football pro programs, whether that be Mount Carmel, Joliet Catholic, um, those types of programs, or whether you still think they have one more step to take to get up to that level? That's a tough one um, because I do think, you know, since, you know, whatever year it was, 2011, maybe it was, there's been, I think I put some of these stats in the game in, in, in our story, like in the past 12 postseasons, they've made it to eight championship games and two other semifinals. Like I think this run of Ramblers is historic and it is among the best runs that any large school has has ever seen in kind of the mod certainly in the modern game um and but you look back at some of the schools and what they've done in one of these some of these programs in certain runs whether it's 16 titles from mount carmel or um uh, jca success uh i mean go on you know name some of the smaller schools that have won you know dozen titles or more they're, they're not there in terms of success rate but I certainly think in terms of the modern era, you know, talk 10, 20 years, the Rambos are up there. So I guess if you go historically, probably not yet. Um, but I do think they've become the premier team in Illinois. And I don't know if, if that's even controversial to say when you look at what they've done, like big schools, no one has done what Loyola has done in the past 15 years. Um, I mean, for the last three years, four seasons, they're 46 and two. Uh, it's 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 a dynasty for sure yeah I think it's a nuanced conversation where it's like obviously for what this team has been able to accomplish for so long at a big school you had Maine South kind of do this for a little bit here uh, obviously with being able to compete at the 8A level but um, I'm going to go I think it's a no way mostly just because um, you had Mount Carmel under Frank Ledy like I forget what the streak was but at least like 20 years of constantly making the state titles winning or making the playoffs, constantly competing for state championships. And um, Loyola's won four since, what is it, 2015? So obviously they're a modern-day legacy but or dynasty. But I think you got to keep it going. I think if Loyola keeps this going in this decade and continues, you know, wins another two or three, you know, state titles and continues to compete in semifinals and continues to um, contend for a state, state title in each year, then I think they can be, like, at the level of, you know, Mount Carmel, Joliet Catholic, East St. Louis, those type of programs, Rochester, Sacred Heart Griffin, like you can be at that level. Um, I think they're on their way to do that and they're probably halfway there, but they need to continue the sex success, I think, if they want to um, keep this going and keep on reaching that echelon of, you know, historic football programs. All right, Joe, this debate has really grown over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, state football title weekends always brings this debate up, the whole public versus private debate. Um, a lot of uh, public schools upset that they have to play private schools in the playoffs. Um, way or no way, you think that this is a debate or this is just sour grapes? <laughs> I'm mostly trying to get you in trouble with whatever you say pretty much here. Yeah, I can tell that the way you phrase that. I I, I am not I will I do know this. I there is a lot to this. This is another nuanced conversation. And yeah. the exact right way to do it, I'm not sure, but I will tell you, I am not a fan of separating it completely, of saying there's a public playoffs and a private playoffs. I feel like that's silly. That's just making it's watering down both sides of it and are either one a champion i i certainly wouldn't feel like it yeah you're the best public school but really you, you would you beat your neighbor we don't even know um i so i i don't like that uh side of it um i certainly feel like there was a a viral post from a from a coach and i'm sure you know what i'm talking about about yeah. you know thanking uh or uh congratulating an entire basically making fun of a, a private school for for having a large pull base and basically saying you know one the one town one championship theory that but that i mean there's always been private schools are you saying that private schools aren't legitimate that we shouldn't have them that there shouldn't even exist i i feel like that's silly or if they exist they shouldn't play sports i 
I, I feel like that argument specifically, there's there's plenty of good arguments, but I feel like that one is certainly sour grapes. Um, and I, I don't know the right answer though to to what we can do because I do think it's it is skewed. Uh, I certainly don't think certain schools should play certain schools that do should play down a class. I mean, I don't know what Providence Catholic with their 10 state championships is doing in four a some years and five. A. I, I don't understand that. Um, I know there's, there's a formula, but if that's the case, we certainly need to tweak that formula. There's no way Mount Carmel should be in any class other than the highest, whatever that is. Mount Carmel is clearly one of the best programs in the state every single year they should compete for it even when they don't win a year or two they should always be up there because they have that capability and have proven it i don't know why they're not um and why that isn't a common sense decision um i man i, I don't i don't even know some of the other answers as to what we do but i do know that um the seating is certainly unfair to a lot of places when you're having a five and four brother rice playing a nine and oh let's just say, you know, Oswego or something from, from maybe a lesser conference, you know, that, that shouldn't be the case either. So there is some tweaks. There are some things you, you I think, can do common sense-wise to see what happens um, when we get to championships Saturday. But um, um, just the fact that saying that we shouldn't compete with them in the playoffs, I don't think that's right. Yeah, I think, you know, I think uh, Roger – Sometimes Michael O'Brien asks, you know, Derek Leonard of Rochester about this after the the 4A game. You know, obviously he's kind of out there. He's not involved in this debate too much. But um, and he had a pretty good answer about like, you know, his dad, obviously he he played at Sacred Heart Griffith. He went to a private school. Like, obviously, he's got the private school, like whatever. But then you also have, you know, the public school, like he's coaching at Rochester. So um, he's seen both sides of it. And his answer was pretty good. You know, I feel like you know, a answering this question after a state championship can be tough. Like you've gone through the emotions and that kind of stuff, but he did give a pretty good nuanced answer as to, you know, he sees both sides of it, like where, you know, you had Jordan Lynch's comments about, you know, obviously social media has never taken anything out of context about, you know, Jordan <laughs> Lynch saying that, you know, Catholic schools are like hungry. Obviously he wasn't talking literally and saying that the kids are hungry or anything like that. He was just talking about, um, you know, public schools having a feeder program while private schools have to, you know, fight for, you know, families wanting to send their kids to their school. So um, I think it's a nuanced conversation. I don't think there's a simple answer. I agree with you there. I think um, I don't think separating the separating the playoffs makes any sense. Um, I, I, I just don't think that makes any sense. And I think the argument of, you know, one town, one team, you know, you saw Batavia do that and bring that over to Mount Carmel. Um, a lot of schools, you know, don't have one town a lot of you know school districts draw upon multiple towns and it's not just you know only you know i don't know like there's not only one town going to lincoln east there's not only one town going to main south you know there's not only one town going to lyons or york or nutria or any of that stuff like they draw a larger pool too not a 30 mile pool like catholic schools or private schools do that's true but you know the whole one town one team argument i feel like is a good rallying call but it doesn't really it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't, you know, you need to figure out a good way of like bumping up the private schools up classes. Mount Carmel should be playing in 8A. A majority of the private schools should be playing up even more classes, I would say, even than they do. Um, you know, you had Montini and 3A. Montini should be playing in higher than 3A. St. Lawrence should be playing higher than 4A. Um, I'd argue that you should, you know, you had Naz and Joliet Catholic, they should probably be playing in 6A, if not 7A. Like, I know, obviously, Catholic school enrollments are down um, and not to the level what they used to be. But um, you got to find a solution where it's fair for everybody. Obviously, you know, the private schools shouldn't all be playing in 8A, but then you shouldn't have, you know, the public schools trying to figure out a way to, like, manage against, you know, a, a big team like in the 3A and 4A. So, I think it's a nuanced conversation. I think it's obviously not just a one, this side is wrong. I don't think private schools are wrong and I don't think public schools are wrong and for the way they're feeling. I just think that separating it isn't going to solve anything um, much like I don't think districts are gonna solve anything. That's a different conversation as well. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of good conversation going on right now, but I think we need to focus on actually getting somewhere with these conversations as opposed to, 
you know, sending mock tweets or like, I don't think there was too much going after kids, but like, it feels like you're going after kids when you're, you know, mocking, you know, the communities and all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a better way we can handle these conversations as opposed to just sending out tweets and going to social media and just going out there with your one comment and not actually working toward a solution as to how we can make this, you know, as fair as possible for all kids, not just private school kids or public school kids. That That's a really good point. Um, and you're dead on with that. Um, so uh, I want to give you the final word there because that was well said. But I do want to add one more thing. Uh, you made me think of something. Um, it, it's also not that simple as some people make it in terms of um, private schools can draw from everywhere and we have a district. You know darn well that certain families and certain kids who might be good at whatever sport are going to move, could move to a district if they have the means, if they have the opportunity move to a district that's good you know link we see that happen a lot you see it happen all the time link waste is a great football district people move into that district to play football there are it's more difficult of course but it's also uh going to a catholic school obviously or private school certain private school is expensive that's can be difficult too and this is mostly a football issue right in, right. in other sports it's less dominated by uh the 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 private contingent um we have a lot more parity and and in in terms of basketball baseball softball um, public schools perform very well in those sports of course there's private schools there but there's more parity and more mixing it up and that's great for the sport we love that i mean um so if we do that and separate them do you separate it for anything or football just for football that seems wonky anyway um, but you said it best that that we can have these conversations more respectfully and appropriately. Yeah, I think it's much like with everything in the world today. Obviously, I don't think you solve the world's problems with a social media post. So I, I would say you're not going to solve these problems with that. If you want to talk about it, have the coaches meet, have them propose legislation or figure out something. But I, I don't think separating it and just being like, well, we're just going to have our own private whatever. We're just going to have our own public that doesn't really solve anything. And I don't really think it's fun for the kids because the kids want to go off against, you know, Lincoln Way East wants to play Loyola. And uh, you have like these fun matchups that happen all the time. So I don't think separating it and just being like, well, public schools only play here. Private schools only play here. That's not going to solve anything. And that's going to really take away from the experiences for the kids. All right, let's move on over now. We're going to talk about basketball here for the rest of the podcast and obviously other winter sports. Um, Joe, Nutria boys basketball loss to Warren. Um, way or no way you're concerned about that loss? Ooh, um, yes. And I'll tell you why, you know, kind of the specifics of it. If, if they lost kind of a fight, it's clear that Warren has uh, developed this year. They're a good team. Um, they're going to they're gonna do some special things this year, and they're a young, um, exciting team too. But I'm more concerned about um, Nutria's second half scoring output they really were contained and um cut off and i i haven't seen um too much other than that i just know they didn't put it up which which kind of supports my theory that they're going to have to develop one or two got like guys like dudes that perform in the clutch game after game you can really rely upon i know they have a, a strong group of guys that who can score but who is that guy in the late game where you can go to and get a bucket or two? Last year, of course, it was Fegan. Um, the year before that, it was Fegan and Jackson Monroe and Noah Shannon and Carlo Cola. They had a lot of guys. But um, I, I just they need to develop that guy, I think, to to really get buckets when you need them, whether it's to stop scoring droughts or to uh, really put on a show down the stretch in the clutch. And uh I just don't think they're there yet in that respect. Um, but I do think Warren's a good team. So I guess a loss doesn't surprise me. It's just maybe that scoring output, I think, um, does worry me a bit. Yeah, I feel like these questions are always tough to answer, especially for the basketball season where it's like you're just trying to figure things out right now. you got tur uh, Thanksgiving tournaments going on and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, for the way it happened, 56 to 42, I'd say I'm a little concerned. I think, you know, I think we have – high expectations of Nutria, and that's because of what they've been able to accomplish the last three or four years. So, um, yeah, I think I think that this team, you know, maybe it's a little bit concerned when I say, well, this team's not going to win a regional, a sectional is not going to compete. No, I'm not going to go that far. But um, 
you know, a 14-point loss to Warren, who's 4-1, and one, um, I wouldn't say it's good, and I think maybe it's a good learning lesson. you got to figure things out. You know, you got Maine South on on Friday, and then you got Deerfield and Hampshire the next week. So um, you got to figure things out right now. This is what November and December basketball is about. you got to figure out who you're going to, what you're going to do in certain situations. So, um, yeah, way I'm a little bit concerned uh, um wouldn't put too much stock into it but you know obviously um when a team loses by 14 you got to look at it and see what's going on over there all right joe obviously this this question is kind of funny to me but i'm still going to ask it we're a couple weeks into the season now um based on what you've seen from loyola boys basketball do we know what this team is going to be like yet yeah i think so i think i have a pretty good idea um and it's a loyola team that that we're used to seeing just really hard nosed defense. Um, you know, they got a lot of length, maybe not a ton of height, um, but they got length. Um, they're active. They turn the ball over, they pressure you and they shoot the ball. Um, and I think that's something we've seen from Loyola. I just think this year it's going to be slightly elevated. And that's kind of just a general overview of who they are. Like get into the nitty gritty that answer turns to no because we have to add Ryan Fitzgerald, Donovan Robinson, Brendan Loftus, who are who are just going to come back to practice this week, and it's going to take them a while to get acclimated. And once they do, I know Loftus is a starter uh, and, and going to be their their key rebounder and uh, a key defender. Um, we'll see how he developed. Ryan's a big defender. I don't know if he cracks the starting lineup. I don't know where Donovan is either, but I was told he's going to be in the rotation. So. Uh, they're going to get a big boost once those guys get in the rotation and uh, get in sync with everybody. Um, and they're going to be a very good team. Um, I think as we talked about maybe preseason a little bit, um, this is going, this is a sectional contender there for real. Yeah. I think I'll go with the way. I think we know that one Loyola is going to run stuff. I just think I, I agree with you. I think we got to figure out where these new guys kind of fit into the mold here now and what they're going to do for uh, the Ramblers as they kind of try to move on here and, um, December and play, start playing some conference games. You got Brother Rice on Friday. Um, you'll eventually get St. Ignatius next week. So, um, and DePaul College Prep in a couple weeks. So you're you're getting in there now here in December. So um, curious to see how they kind of move forward. But uh, for the most part, I feel like we know what this team is. Just going to play hard defense, score pretty well. Um, I mean, they put up 58, 64, 64, and 60 um, so far. They only put up 39 against uh, Nutrier. But um, I think for the most part, we know what this team is going to be, and that's going to be a pretty successful team. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we're, we'll, we'll keep on uh, talking about basketball. Maybe we'll hit on some other winter sports as well, but we are now fully in winter mode um, here as uh, both the weather kind of changed and, uh, you know, obviously we're going to gyms now being just kind of looking at the major stuff, Joe. Just what have you kind of seen both from the boys and the girls um, Loyola girls basketball continues to impress. They're off to a pretty good start to the season, undefeated, obviously. Um, New Trier, uh, obviously falling to Loyola, to, uh, Loyola. But what are some things that you've kind of noticed early on, you know, in the first 10 days of the season here? Um, I think for the most part, it's proceeded how about we thought in the early going. Um, Loyola girls are special and among the best in the state um and they're gonna face but they're gonna face tough challenges in the sectional uh because you got like like a main south and who's very good as well um Nutrier is improved and Cela klein is very good and uh her, her having her healthy she's the leader of this team in a lot of statistical categories um an offense run by a three-year starter i think three-year starter and kj sicaro um, it, it's going to be a good team. Um, and, um, hopefully we, we get a, they want a regional this year and that would be a big step for them. And I think they're in that category, certainly. So they're, they're trending that way. Um, and Nutria boys, I think for the most part, they start off good. They beat, uh, Lake Forest, they beat, um, Loyola, uh, the, the, the loss to Warren is surprising. Um, not that we didn't expect any setbacks, but just like I said, the way they did, uh, is a little bit, but it's a it's a new team. It's a different look at the team. They don't have the height that they've had in the past for a big post presence to kind of mix up that action and what they can do with an inside out game like they had with 
Monroe and, and, Jay, and Tyler Van Gorp in the past. So it's a different team, and I think they got to figure it out. But they do shoot the heck out of the ball, um, and they're going to continue to do that. So maybe live and die by the three might be um, one of their models. Um, and Loyola, we're just not going to see their full team until after Christmas um, and after, you know, in, in the new year, sometime in January, I think. But um, um, I think it's clear Miles Bolin is – uh, a top player in the area and they're going to be special. So, yeah, I think about um, aligned with what we thought it's going to be. And it's going to be a fun year for sure. Going, uh, going back to the girls for Loyola. Um, obviously they get Montini on Friday, which is going to be a huge test just to see, you know, how good they can compete, how good they're going to be able to, you know, compete in the conference and obviously in the state, then you got, obviously uh, St. Ignatius is going to come up in a week. The ball prep is going to come up in a couple of weeks. You got friend as well. So, um, you've got some early challenges for this Loyola team where, you know, we both kind of expect them to do a lot of great things, but now I feel like they're going to get an opportunity to show, you know, can you compete with the Montini team that's been really good over the last couple of years, the Ignatius team that's been good, uh, uh, the Paul prep that's kind of been pretty good. Just, you know, I feel like we're going to learn a lot about these Ramblers pretty quickly, which is pretty good for the program as well, just to, for them to figure out, you know, where do they kind of stand um, in what they're trying to accomplish this season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think you're going to be uh, pretty impressed with the results. They really are that good. And, um, you know, they had that early season victory over Stevenson, kind of a perennial power recently, you know, state championship uh, a couple of years ago, but they beat them by 20. Um, so, yeah, these games are going to show a lot. And I think that I'm sure they'll adjust to, to whatever happens. But, you know, with the addition of uh, transfer Aubrey Galvin from Deerfield, uh, this team is just so much more dynamic on the offensive end. Uh, she's she's great defensively too. She's a two-way player, but uh, what she can do offensively for them gives them a little more athleticism and um, a different dimension of slasher and passer playmaker that they haven't had in the past. Paige and Kelsey uh, are three-year starters who and four-year varsity players who are um, college-bound. They're awesome. They're going to continue and really be solid throughout the year, but Aubrey just gives them something different um, of a look from, from what I think other teams are used to from Loyola. And I think that's going to pay dividends. I do think they have a little work to do to reach their apex to really gel as best they can. Um, but uh, it's coming and watching her is special. And um, to know that, you know, she's passing to somebody like Paige Engels instead of Paige creating all by herself is uh, is pretty cool to think about. Going to the Loyola boys basketball team, they get Brother Rice on uh, Friday. Obviously, Brother Rice, one of the better teams in the state. Um, then you got, you know, Providence, St. Mel, you got Ignatius the next couple of weeks. How much does it kind of hurt that, you know, Loyola is not going to have its full team? Are we going to be able to get a chance to see, you know, how good this team can be, you know, playing Brother Rice and Ignatius in the next couple of weeks? Or is it kind of going to be like an incomplete test? Uh, incomplete test. I think for sure. I think there's no way. I don't even know if those guys play this week. Um, they'll be, have been practicing, but they won't be in basketball shape. Um, you know, um, it, it, so maybe they get a couple minutes here or there, but certainly it won't be at uh, their finest in terms of this sport. So, um It'll be good to just mark where they're at, you know, win or lose. Um, but I, I don't think that's going to be that. It's certainly not the final iteration of this team and what it can become. So um, take it with a grain of salt either way. You got Nutrier boys basketball playing Maine South on Friday. Um, where do you kind of feel like this team, you know, obviously I know they competed for, you know, with GBS obviously and, um, and Evanston over the last couple of years. Um, obviously Maine South has kind of given some trouble here and there sometimes. Where does this new cheer team, you know, just kind of continue in its, you know, echelon of, you know, in the South South? Are they going to continue to just be the favorite in this division or do other programs? You got GBN, you got GBS, you got Evanston, even Maine South, just even Deerfield. You got a pretty, you got a pretty good division for basketball when it comes to boys, at least. Yeah, the past few years, it's been outstanding. It's really been a fun division, really high level basketball almost every single night um in in the csl um south um this year um i th i think you can still call um nutrier the favorite in the division evanston's real young gbs uh, lost a couple more talented guys but they but they they still have a couple 
Um, I, I mean, I think it's a three-way race uh, between GBN, Nutrier, and GBS. Um, Edmonton certainly has the capability of surprising you, but I think they have to come together a little bit. Um, Maine South has been behind those three lately. I don't know what that team looks like, the Hawks look like this year. Um, but GBN's really good. They got Josh Fridman coming back off a knee injury. Uh, Alex Julianis, uh, um, Sam Lampin. They've got returners who can score um, and who know how to play. That you know they uh, they've done a lot of battles with Nutria and GBS the past couple of years. Those teams, so it's going to be really fun. I think you can call Nutria the favorite, but I don't think it's a runaway by any means. And what do you want to see out of this Nutria girls basketball team? Obviously, you got some, you know. They've got a couple losses already, but obviously they, you know, played some pretty good competition. So um, what do you want to see from this New Cheer Girls basketball team as we kind of get deeper here into here into December? I'd like to see, um, you know, that defense hold some teams down. Um, I don't, you know, they're not at the level of Maine South, if I'm being brutally honest, but I want to see them compete at that level. Um, and just, I, I, I know they'll give it, the energy uh, that it takes, but can they rise to the occasion and play a, a opponent who's been better than them the past few seasons? Can they get there? Can they make it, you know, within a 10 point game and, and maybe put some pressure on the Hawks? That's what I'd like to see in those games. It was a great win the other night. They put up, uh, they beat GBN. Um, they'll have a tough test against GBS coming up too, but this main South one is, is going to be an interesting one. All right, any other basketball thoughts now that we're uh, fully in the basketball mode here and uh, going to switch over to winter sports? I'm just excited. I'm excited that it's going on. Um, I'm, a, I'm a hoops guy, as I keep talking about on this podcast, so uh, you'll find me in a lot of bleachers this winter. All right. Well, that's everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you give us a nice little like. We always appreciate it. That helps us grow and helps more uh, high school sports fans, especially in the North Shore area keep up with uh, us and keep up with everything that's going on. So um, we always appreciate everybody's support. Just a quick reminder, you can subscribe um, to the Friday Night Drive and check out all our great work there. Obviously, we've been there all uh, weekend. We've got uh, district uh, information. We've got uh, conference information. We've got uh, our all area teams coming up, our team of the year, uh, player of the year, coach of the year. Um, and obviously, we'll keep you updated as uh um, we move forward here with the district proposal. Now it's official. We'll know before Christmas whether uh, we're moving to districts or not. So keep up with uh, Friday Night Drive for all the latest content there. And as always, make sure you check out and keep up with the record NorthShore.org. Joe's got you covered not only in sports, but everything else going on in the North Shore area. So make sure you donate and make sure you subscribe as well um, for all the great coverage that Joe gives the area. All right, that is everything that we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. We are putting the fall season uh, away and moving on to the winter. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for talking to us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record, northshore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom.